0: So good to have you here today, those of you in person as well as those joining us online. I want to say especially uh, to the families of the people who got baptized today, thanks for coming today. So I don't know what it looked like for you to be a part of this service and how far you had to drive to be a part of it, but how encouraging is it to look out and to see you and to see you rejoice with each of those kids that got baptized today. And so I just want to say welcome, glad that you came and could be a part of this special day for them. And for those of you who got baptized, I'm just telling you, I'm proud of you. It's exciting. Exciting. Let's express, uh, let's, whatever, let's encourage them today. So grateful for you. With the video, just a fun way to say, hey, it's Christmas season. Let's remember what this is all about and let's keep the main thing the main thing. And so, as you get tied up in everything that you're gonna be doing over the next few weeks, let's remember that nothing can replace Jesus. And uh, I'm excited about today's message. I believe that God's gonna speak to our hearts. And as we imagine what He can do, through us that he's going to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever dream, ask, or imagine. So I want to say thank you to Pastor Levinsky. He preached a powerful message last week in my absence as we were gone to celebrate Thanksgiving with my in-laws, and he preached that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com or on YouTube or Spotify or Facebook. Find us anywhere you want to be. You should be able to, uh, to find us there and take a listen to the message from last week. This morning, I want you to imagine with me. I would think that when many of you were younger, your imaginations were very active. In fact, maybe some of you still have very active imaginations. Maybe when you were younger, you had imaginary friends that you talked to. Some of you are like, when I was younger, I still do. Well, I would just encourage you, if you still have imaginary friends that you talk to, that you would talk to them in your heads and not out loud because we don't want people to think you're crazy. Some people's imaginations are still very active. Y'all are going to have to help me more than that because that was funnier in my head and it was funnier in first service than it was in second service and I just can't let that sit like that. I can't preach the rest of the message knowing that y'all didn't laugh at that part. Okay? <laughs> Some people's imaginations are still very active. Some have imaginary conversations about what they're going to say to somebody if they say this, Right? The imaginary conversations that happen in our heads, we convince ourselves that if this is what they say, this is what I'm going to say. Others have very active imaginations, and you can see it in the houses that are built or the buildings that are built, the books that are written, the pictures that are painted, and the movies that are created. They demonstrate people's creativity and imagination. I discovered a new show to me on the animal planet called Finding Bigfoot. Talk about imagination. Talk about imagination. It is a group of people who travel around the U.S. in search of Bigfoot. And I'm not talking about the monster truck that shows up at monster truck rallies. Like, I'm talking about a group of people who believe in a mythical ape-like creature named Bigfoot. They go and interview eyewitnesses who have seen bigfoot on and and so they go and investigate it and interview people and they go into the woods with these infrared cameras attached to their foreheads out here like this and they're making calls that sound like well you're just going to have to watch it to see what a bigfoot sounds like I'm not going to spoil that for you this morning and it's absolutely ridiculous It's ridiculous. And this is what people get paid to do. Not only did they get paid to do this, they have a TV crew who now follows them everywhere they go. I wonder if when they were younger, somebody said to them, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a Bigfoot explorer. (laughs) Who would have imagined they also do this thing called knocking where they'll grab a branch and they'll hit it up against the trunk of the tree and it sounds just like you would imagine a branch hitting a trunk of a tree would sound like, like a knock. And on one episode, something knocked back. <laughs> do you know that a couple of weeks ago, I was in the woods searching for a different elusive animal called a whitetail buck? And when I was out in the woods, I heard that very same knocking. I thought, I better call the producers of this television show and let them know that there's a Sasquatch in these woods. These woods are Squatchy. (laughs) I was watching this episode on Tuesday night in my house, and my wife comes into the bedroom and she says, are you serious? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. And she proceeds to grab the remote to change the channel. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm changing the channel. I said, not today, devil. (laughs) I said, this is going to be the night when they find Sasquatch. We got to watch till the end. For those of you who struggle to wonder if someone's being sincere when they talk in public, (laughs) I just want to tell you that I do not believe in Bigfoot. I don't want anybody leaving here today saying, I can no longer go to that church. Gosh, I came to watch kids get baptized, and the pastor's talking like he believes in Bigfoot. Just so you know, I don't. I don't believe in Bigfoot. But back to our imaginations. When you were younger, what did you imagine that this season of your life would look like? When you were younger, what did you imagine that this season of your life would look like? Is it exactly how you imagined it would be? Is it better? Is it worse? I would imagine that for most of us, our lives are drastically different today than what we imagined in our youth. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. One of the reasons why we couldn't imagine that our lives would look like what they look like today is because we had a limited worldview and limited experiences. We didn't know what we didn't know. But here's what I hope is I hope that for many of you because of the love that you have for Jesus that your lives are more fulfilled than you imagined that your relationships are richer and that your love for Jesus is deeper. I want to take a moment and consider your current circumstances. And so I just want to encourage you right now take a moment and evaluate where you are right now. Is it where you imagined that you would be? Is it better? Or is it worse? And now I want you to think about this. Tomorrow, where do you imagine you want to be? Five years from now, 10 years from now, what do you imagine that your life will look like? For some of you, that assignment is easy because you're like, man, right now my present is so amazing that I just hope that my future, I imagine my future just being more of the same of what's going on in my life. For others, the the present is so difficult that you can't see your way out of it and see how there could be any change that could happen. And so you find it difficult to imagine a preferred future because you're paralyzed by your current realities. Imagine if God were to answer every one of the prayers that you've been praying. What would your life look like personally? What would the world look like? For some of you, God will change your circumstances, and for others, he'll change your perspective as you look to him. There's a story found in Mark chapter 2 of this man who is literally paralyzed in his current circumstances, and his friends imagined a different future for him. They know that there's nothing that they can personally do for this man, but they know that, uh, that they can make a commitment to get him in the presence of Jesus, and, and once that happens, then his life will be changed. And so his friends bring him to Jesus and his life has changed forever. And I just wonder, think about your classmates, your teammates, your coworkers, your spouse, your friends, your family members. Imagine what could happen to them if they were brought into the presence of Jesus. And so I want us to turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 2 this morning to hear the story of this paralyzed man and what happened when his four friends brought him into the presence of Jesus. Mark chapter 2, there are Bibles in the seat baskets in front of you, you can follow along on your digital devices as well, or it'll also be on the screen. Here's what Mark chapter 2 verse number 1 says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, this is talking about Jesus, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And we just, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them, all so that they, all, and before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In verses 1 and 2 of this passage, we see that Jesus has returned back to Capernaum and he's preaching to a group of people who have all gathered in this house and the house is completely packed out. If there was a fire code for a gathering like this, they are clearly not following it because verse 2 says that the doorway was even crowded. There wasn't even any more room at the door. And Jesus was preaching this word that they had gathered to listen and the audience was a mix of people that were there that day. It would have been a mix of people who were devoted followers of Jesus. It would have been a a group of uh, curious people who were just there because there was a crowd and they wanted to see what was going to happen and what Jesus was going to teach. It also would have had Pharisees and scribes, and they were all there for their own reasons. The Pharisees and the scribes would have been there trying to catch Jesus and saying something that they didn't agree with. They would be trying to catch him saying or doing something wrong. The devoted disciples of Jesus would be there because they just want to be around Jesus and they want to hear everything that he has that he's willing to share with them. The curious would have been there because a crowd had formed and they wanted to see what was going on. And there was this man that lived in Capernaum who was uh, paralyzed and he was dependent upon everybody for everything. He couldn't move. The Bible doesn't tell us when he was paralyzed. We don't know if he was paralyzed from birth or if it was a result of an accident. But what we know at the beginning of this story is that he's paralyzed. And this is what he would have known day in and day out, and it would be difficult for him to imagine something different. It would have been difficult for him to see something beyond what was right in front of him. And how often do we, when we find ourselves in a season where we feel like we're in a pit of despair, that we believe the lies of the enemy that nothing's going to change? The enemy would lead us to believe that in the midst of despair, there's no hope. But we serve a God who makes a way in the desert. We serve a God who makes the blinded eyes to see. We serve a God who opens up deaf ears to hear and is able to make a paralyzed man walk again. And Jesus tells us in the New Testament that we would see even greater things. Imagine what He can do. This guy in the midst of it couldn't imagine a different future, but his friends could. Catch that. He couldn't imagine a different future for himself, but his friends could. They imagined a better future for their friend and were willing to do whatever it took to get him to Jesus. They believed that if they could just get him to Jesus, that he would be healed. Think about those in despair around you without Jesus. Have you imagined a better future for them? Have you imagined a future for them with Jesus? Have you made an effort to introduce them to Jesus? Have you extended an invitation for them to come to church with you? In verse number three, it says that these men brought their friend to Jesus. And in verse number four, it says that they couldn't get near to him because of the crowd. Imagine what would have happened if they would have stopped with just that. Their friend would have left and still been paralyzed, but they didn't let the obstacles keep them from their mission. They were committed to get their friend to Jesus. In verse number four, it says that they started digging through the roof to make a hole large enough to lower their friend to the presence of Jesus, and so I thought about today how interesting it would have been to have someone get in this cloud above us here through the catwalk and get out a sawzall and just start sawing out the drywall that's there so that the drywall dust is falling out as I'm preaching. First service, no joke, a clock fell in the balcony, and it sounded like someone fell. I thought someone was gonna have to go to the hospital. You know, I was like, what's happened? And so I'm just watching and watching, expecting somebody to be picked up, but instead it was a clock. That fell off the wall and it rolled all the way to the south of the balcony. And uh, I mean, if it could have been time for this moment in the service, it would have just been perfect because, you know, Jesus is preaching and now there's this distraction of people digging through the roof to lower their friend uh, down to be with Jesus. And, and this man appears, and uh, I'm sure that there were a number of reactions of the people that were sitting in the house that day listening to Jesus teach. Like for those who had gotten there two hours early for the the good seats, and now all of a sudden they're looking up as their friends are lowering this man down they're like, who do you think you are? You know, we waited two hours for this, and you just think you're just gonna cut a hole in the ceiling and now get the best seat in the house? Can you imagine being the homeowner in this moment? Uh, I know y'all are gonna pay to fix that, right? These men had a sacrificial love of their friend. They knew that Uh, That Doing this was going to cost them something They were going to have to pay to fix the roof But they counted the cost and determined That the cost was worth it These men didn't care about what other people Were going to think about them or their plan They were so convinced They just They were so convinced that if they could just Get this man into the presence of Jesus That his life would be changed forever Are you convinced of the same thing? How many of you are too worried about what others Are going to think? I can't invite this teammate to church because they might say or they might do this. Or I can't invite this family member to come to church because they might say or they might do this. Or I can't invite this co-worker to come to church with me or do this because they might do or they might say this or whatever reason. Are you so convinced that if you could just get them to come and be in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that God could change their lives? What would it take for each of us to have the faith like these men had? and look past whatever obstacles appear to be in the way and look past whatever, whatever response someone else might make and just be so convinced that if they get in the presence of Jesus, everything will change and it'll be worth it. One of the easiest asks that you could make to invite someone to church and to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit is next Saturday and next Sunday at church, right? The Christmas production is next Saturday at six o'clock and Sunday in our regular 830 and 1015 services. And I'm just telling you, it's going to be phenomenal. I just have a very small part in it. And I've had, I've had zero parts and leading up to it. So this is not like, hey, it's going to be awesome because I'm the main star. I'm not. I just got a small part. And I mean, it's an important part. It's the part where uh, I'm going to invite your friends that you brought to you next week, brought with you next week. I'll learn to talk at some point. I'm going to invite them into a relationship with Jesus. It's an important part. But I'm just telling you next week is going to be phenomenal. And it's so easy for you to grab a card That's sitting in your seat and take it and give it to somebody. Share it on Facebook or Twitter or social media or whatever you, however you want to share it. But I'm just telling you next week is going to be phenomenal. Imagine, imagine what it could look like for those around you, for them to spend an hour in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Imagine what God could do. I've said this before, and for those who've gone through Growth Track recently, you've heard me say this in the, uh, the video that's there, but I know what is going to be your favorite service at Crosspoint. And you're like, well, how do you know that? Well, here's how I know it. Your favorite service at Crosspoint is going to be when you invite someone who's far from God to come to church and they get saved. You'll never forget that Sunday. It will be etched into your memory forever. And here's what I hope is that, uh, that this will be such a pattern in your life of inviting people who are far from God to come to church and seeing their lives transformed that you'll have lots of favorite Sundays. These men had a great love of their friend and had great faith. There's no way that they would have done what they did without wholeheartedly believing that Jesus could heal their friend. A wavering faith would have not been part of hoisting their friend up to the roof. Like, I can't even imagine the scene, right? People are in there, and then there's this commotion outside as these men are raising this this man up onto the roof. And without the confidence and the faith that Jesus was going to heal this man, there's no way that as the hole was dug in the roof and people on the inside could see who was on the outside doing all of this, that they would still be standing there, with still the determination to lower their friend down. Verse 5, Jesus commends the faith of those four friends. And I mean, it was commitment with what they did. When the front door was blocked, they didn't say, well, it's just not meant to be. I guess it's not the Lord's will. Instead, they had persistent faith. And as they lowered this man down in front of Jesus, Jesus responds to this man, and he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine if you were the paralytic man or his friends, and you just went through all of that effort because you're paralyzed? Dug a hole through a roof, lowered him down, and the response from Jesus is, son, your sins are forgiven. Probably not the response they were looking for. Some could have almost thought that Jesus' response was cruel. Not a single person who brought this man there, nor being a part of this, would have expected that those would be the words that Jesus would say to them. You've heard the end of the story. I read it at the beginning. You know that Jesus heals this man physically, but can I propose something to you this morning? The very first thing that Jesus did for this man was the most compassionate. Jesus addressed the greatest need that he had. Forgiveness was a far greater work, and it actually cost Jesus his life. And it would be better for a man to live paralyzed for the rest of his life and spend an eternity with Jesus in heaven than for him to have a healed body and continue to walk in darkness. So the first miracle was a transformation of this man's heart. The weight of his sins had been lifted off of him there were some in the crowd that didn't like what Jesus did or what he said. And in verse number six, it says there were some scribes who didn't even verbalize it. They just had these thoughts. And in their thoughts, they said, Jesus is blasphemy. Who can forgive sin but God alone? And Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking and responded. Can you imagine that moment? Right? You've not verbalized your thoughts, you've just had your thoughts, and now Jesus begins to respond to your inmost thoughts, and he says to them, what is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? You might read that and you might say, well, both seem pretty easy to say to me, your sins are forgiven, or rise, take up your bed and walk. It's not a tongue twister. It's fairly easy to say either one of them. But to say uh, one of these effectively is a difference. So to say that someone's sins are forgiven, you don't have to produce any objective proof of its effectiveness. But for Jesus to say to someone that they're healed requires objective proof. If Jesus pronounces and says to this man, you're healed, get up and walk, and this man can't do it, then it shows that Jesus' pronouncement is a fraud. And so the easier thing to say is that you're forgiven. But Jesus says, let me prove to you that I have the authority to say this. And in verse 10 and 12, he spoke an authoritative word that actually changed things. And if Jesus can now heal the man, he demonstrates that his words have effect and that their charge that he claims an authority he doesn't have will fall to the ground. And in verse 10, it says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Jesus healed this man's spiritual condition and then he healed his physical condition. And what a scene verse 12 had to be where this man was lowered down by his friends. He's carried in, but now he's walking out. And it says that all were amazed that they had never seen anything like this. This miracle started with four friends who were completely convinced by faith that if they could just get their friend to Jesus that he would do the rest. How many know that we can't save anybody, we can't heal anybody, but we can be the ones who introduce someone to the one who can. Imagine what could happen if we have the faith to believe. The scribes, which were critical, lost their debate without even speaking their objections. People would have known the motives of the scribes that were there. I seriously can't imagine the dynamics in the room that day. It would be comparable to if we knew that there were a group of people, whatever that group is, a specific group of people who were totally opposed to us as a church. And then on a Sunday morning, they showed up in their t-shirts that say, we are totally opposed to crosspointchurch.org or whatever organization they're with. Like They just stand out. And so then you know the motives of the people when they come in, when they, when, they know that, when you know that they are against you. And so that's what it would have been like for the scribes and for the Pharisees. Everybody would have known that they were against Jesus and that they were just waiting to see what was going to happen. And then there are those in the crowd that just wanted to come and witness this. And so I think back to high school when someone would yell, fight, you know, and the group of people would run over to see what was happening there with Jesus. Um, with the fight is they wanted to see it. And so I can imagine for some of the crowd, they're just curious to see what the crowd is and what's about to happen. Then you have the ones in there who are true disciples of Jesus wanting to hear more interesting dynamics to say the least. The scribes didn't even have to verbalize what they were thinking and Jesus instantly shut down their faulty thinking. If the friends would have been concerned with what the scribes were gonna say or do, they would have missed it. But one moment in the presence of Jesus shut them up. Imagine if the greatest fear you have with someone would be silenced because you introduced them to Jesus. Imagine if the greatest fear you have with someone would be silenced because you introduced them to Jesus. Jesus heals this paralytic man. And the sad part is the Pharisees and the scribes were the real paralytics. And they just sat there and they were critical. And they should have been the ones who were directing the traffic to Jesus. Jesus. Now, I just want to encourage you with a few things this morning. If you're like the Pharisees in the story and you show up on Sunday mornings looking to be critical about something and to find fault with something, I'm just telling you you're going to find it, right? Because we're a church of imperfect people. And so if that's what you're looking for, that's what you're going to find, right? You're going to see those things. And I would just encourage you to allow Jesus to transform your hearts, right? To change your lives and to, uh, to let him do that. Secondly, if you're you're one of the curious crowd, I would encourage you to move from curious to family, right? At the end of the service, there's going to be an opportunity for you to give your heart to Jesus. And I would encourage you at that time that you would do that, that you would surrender your heart to Jesus. And then you would do like these kids did today, in that you would take a, a public declaration and get baptized. You would go through growth track and you would find out more about our church, And that you would also find a ministry to be a part of, to be a part of it. For those of you who are uh, fully devoted followers of Jesus, imagine how God could use you to direct people towards him. Next Sunday is going to be amazing. I encourage all of us to be inviting people and leave the results up to God. Imagine what God could do. Imagine hard hearts being soft and addicts being set free, relationships restored, the sick being healed, and more. And some of you are like, I can't invite people. I'm invite the rest of the worship team to come on up at this time. Uh, some of you are like, I can't invite people to, to come because I'm not perfect, right? And so I'm kind of still messed up. And so if I try to invite someone, they're going to be like, well, I, you go there, how what what's the deal and I just want to encourage you with this to realize that the work that God has begun in you he's going to bring it to completion and so he maybe hasn't completed that work in you yet but there's still a process and he's gonna do it and so I wouldn't let where you're at in the journey keep you from introducing someone else and letting them start their journey amen And so there are some people in our community, in fact, statistics tell us that there are 12,000 people within a 10-mile radius of our church that don't go to church. There are people who are waiting on an invitation to come. I read a statistic this week. It was on the internet, so it has to be true. I wish I could back it up to really tell you that it's true. But uh, it seriously said that 80% of people would say yes if they were simply invited to come to church. That's a crazy statistic. There's some people who haven't stepped into these doors because no one has invited them. And so I would just encourage you, be the one this week that's extending an invitation and imagine, imagine what God could do. As we invite people to come to church next week and the weeks following, I pray that the response of those who are far from God would be like those who were part of this healing service. And in verse number 12, this was their response. They were all amazed and they glorified God. They glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. There's a cast of people, tech people, singers, musicians, that this week are praying and fasting, believing that God is going to do something miraculous next Saturday and Sunday. That he's going, that God is going to perform the greatest miracle of all, which is turning hearts to him. And so I'm going to ask that you would be a part of that. That you would be praying with us. That you would partner your faith and your prayer with us. And that next week we would see God do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever dream, ask, or imagine. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked Him to be your Lord and Savior, and you say, today is the day where I want to become a follower of Him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on Him. And you say, I I want to see my relationship restored back to God. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, that's me. I want to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I want to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see that hand. Two, three. You can put them down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's stand all across this room. There were at least three hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who want to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if that's you, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning, I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer in person today or online, I would encourage you to text the word yes to 319-250-8998. 319-250-8998. We wanna encourage you along in the decision that you've made today. We're proud of you and uh, wanna hear more about uh, your life and what God wants to do in your life. We leave time at the end of the service for the prayer team to come forward and for people to have their needs prayed over. And so I, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over our church. And when I say amen, the worship team is going to lead us in this song. And then as they do, I would encourage you to step out of your seat if, uh, if you want prayer for anything today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that we see in Mark chapter 2 for desperate people who believed in a, a different future for their friend. God, they just knew that if they could get their friend in the presence of Jesus, that everything would change. So God, as we evaluate the community around us and look around, there are 12,000 people, that if they could just get in the presence of you, their lives would be changed forever. And so God, I pray that you would give us boldness and courage this week to extend an invite to people who are far from God. And Lord, we pray that you would just do incredible things next week. We'll, We'll leave the results up to you. But God, we pray that there would be people who would experience miracles of healing. We pray that relationships would be restored. We pray that, uh, that people who are far from you, that their hearts would be turned back to you and that you would perform that greatest miracle next week. And God, I pray that as we come in next week with hearts of expectancy and faith, pray it up. Lord, that you would do incredible things and we'll be careful to do what Mark chapter 2 does, that we'll make sure that you get glorified from it we pray that there would be people who would leave next week saying, I've never experienced anything like that before, referencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.